Ghosts aren't real. Everyone knows that. If you hear of someone encountering a ghost, everyone knows that it must be in their mind. Ghosts just aren't real. So any contact with the spirit world must come from a delusion in the brain. This is the current and most accepted explanation of ghostly apparitions and contact with them. But what do people think when contact with the supernatural produces previously unknown information? Hello, my name is Scott Bryan, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ghostology Podcast. Is anyone there? We want to make contact with you. We want to share your story. We're going to seek the truth no matter where we find it. Everyone's got a ghost story. I'd like to tell you mine. And the look on his face was a look of shock. First thing I did was go over to him and say, are you okay? I want you to breathe. Welcome to Ghostology. Years ago, I met a person named John, and he told me of an incredible experience he had while dating his wife. John met his wife while going to college in a school far from his hometown. He was very studious and very focused on his schooling and studies. But when he met his future wife, he couldn't help it. He fell head over heels in love. Soon he wanted to bring his girlfriend home to meet his family. The opportunity arose at the 4th of July of that year. His family always had a tradition of a large barbecue where all of his relatives, cousins, aunts and uncles, grandparents, would gather, eat a lot of food, and of course light off fireworks. The family event was so large, there was well over a hundred people that would attend. John thought this would be the perfect event in which to introduce his family to his girlfriend. He figured that with such a large group, she wouldn't feel out of place or unnecessarily forced to talk to anyone. And so that year, the 4th of July came and John and his girlfriend attended his family's 4th of July barbecue. They spent several hours there and he introduced her to many people. There even came a time when she went off with several of the other women while he went off with the men. The visit had not been awkward, and she had felt at home and had a wonderful time. Things progressed, and about six months later, John proposed. A few months later, they began to plan the wedding and began to make a list of who they would invite. As they compiled the list, John's fiancée asked him why his grandfather was not on the list. She assumed that he would come, but she thought that he would probably appreciate getting a personalized invitation to the wedding. John looked at her curiously, and he said, what do you mean my grandfather? His fiancée reiterated what she had said before, and that is when John had to explain to her that his grandfather had been dead over 10 years. This came as quite a shock to her, and she began to tell him that months ago, at the 4th of July barbecue, an old man had introduced himself to her, saying that he was John's grandfather, and that he was so glad that John and her were dating. She then proceeded to describe the physical characteristics of John's grandfather. The one thing that she remembered, though, was his eyes. 
She told John, your grandfather's eyes were the bluest and clearest I have ever seen. As I looked into them, it was almost like they sparkled in the sunlight. John tried to figure out if there had been some misidentification of one of his other relatives, but the more he tried to remember who was there, he realized there was nobody at the barbecue that fit the description of his grandfather. To this day, John and his wife believe that his grandfather appeared at that barbecue to introduce himself to John's future wife. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ghostology Podcast. I'm Scott Bryan, and I'll be talking today about kind of an interesting topic. As I said before, most people think the ghosts aren't real, and if someone has contact with the supernatural, it must be in their head. But of course, there's a problem with that. Certain times when people interact with a ghost or again have a supernatural experience, they come away with information that they previously did not know. And how do we treat that information in this type of phenomena? Just like John's wife, she had contact with what they believe was his grandfather. But of course, she didn't know it at the time. She didn't know she was possibly talking to a ghost. Now that brings up another interesting question. Can ghostly phenomena change the course of someone's life, even if the individual does not believe? One of the goals of my paranormal research has always been to challenge popular assumptions. In most cases, the skeptic's view are there are no haunted places, just haunted people, meaning only individuals that believe in the supernatural will have experiences with it. But this creates an interesting hypothesis. If you do not believe in ghosts, then you should not have any experiences with the unexplained or at least nothing supernatural. The notion that the supernatural could express itself for the good of the individual is not new. In Charles Dickens' classic book, A Christmas Carol, the aged miser Ebenezer Scrooge is visited on Christmas Eve by several ghosts who compel him to reform his life. But could something like this happen in real life? I've collected a few experiences from individuals that did not believe in ghosts and then were obligated to revise their views. I do want to be clear, though. These individuals were skeptics and did not seek the paranormal. It found them. One man named George never believed in an afterlife, even as a small child. As he saw it, Tales of past angelic ancestors floating on clouds, living forever, and ghosts were the stuff of fairy tales. Like many, he believed that when someone died, that was it. Lights out, you know, they ceased to exist. Though most of his family was religious, he was not, and he did not attend any kind of religious services. As George grew older, he became more and more cynical of the world and everything in it, and he found it hard to find peace in his life and was a little fatalistic about the future. As George got older, he got married and had children and lived a normal life. He retired and began what he assumed would be his remaining years relaxing through fishing, traveling, and visiting the local health club, where his ritual was a massage followed by visiting with friends in the sauna. Though many would think he was living a dream life, he often felt anxious and upset it was a cold winter's morning and George needed a massage. The freezing air had penetrated his bones and so he decided it was a good morning to go to the club. 
The massage he received was extremely soothing and put him in a relaxing state. He was looking forward to conversing with sauna regulars, but the club seemed to be empty that morning and so was the sauna. George sat alone in near silence except for his thoughts. George was nearly ready to exit when he heard a squeak and then the unmistakable sound of a wooden door opening. Through the steam, a large round figure entered and sat across from George. Clearly, the figure was a large, portly man. He was bald, but with a towel draped over his head, so it was hard to see his face. George pretended not to notice the man's entrance, but then peeked through one eye to see if he knew the person. Instantly, he knew this was someone he had never seen before at the club. Shockingly, in the dim light, George began to examine the scar-covered flesh of the man. On the side of the man's body, there were stretched and scarred skin, and it continued up through his neck. It also could be seen on his arm and lower stomach. On one side of the man, it looked like he had walked out of a zombie movie. The sight of the man's mangled skin surprised George so much that he lost his manners and sat straight up and stared wide-eyed and open-mouthed at the man. George quickly realized that he was staring and embarrassingly tried to return to his relaxed position as if nothing had happened. But then the man spoke, breaking the nervous silence. I was in a fire and it burned a large portion of my body. That's why I look this way, said the man. Now sweating more from embarrassment than the sauna, George mumbled a quick apology, something to the effect that he was sorry and had not meant to stare. The man assured him that he had taken no offense. Just as George thought to leave the sauna, the man spoke again. I know your father. George's father had passed away decades earlier, and it was bizarre to not only have this man that he had never met before talk so candidly, but to claim to know his father also? George timidly but curiously replied, You knew my father? At this point, George looked into the man's eyes. He noticed they were different from regular eyes. They were incredibly clear, like looking into a mountain lake on a bright summer day. And though his face was something out of a nightmare, it also radiated a kind, peaceful glow. The man continued saying that he did know his father and that he had a message for him. He then instructed George to tell his youngest brother that his father loved him. After that, the man simply arose and exited the sauna. George sat in disbelief about what had happened but only for a moment as he realized that he had never asked the name of the man. George quickly exited the sauna and reached the locker room where he found it empty. He then ran to the front desk and asked if the attendant had seen a man leave. The attendant seemed confused, so George described the man. The reply was that no one of that description had entered or exited the club that morning. Apparently, George had been the only one who had seen the disfigured gentleman. The rest of the day, George spent thinking about his encounter and trying to rationalize in any way how the man could have sneaked into the club and then exited without notice. He began to wonder if it was a trick, some misguided attempt to fool him. But in the end, he realized there were no plausible explanations for what he had witnessed. Had he been visited by a ghost, angel, or other supernatural being? It became overwhelming for him and he retreated to a comfortable chair and television. As George sat trying to forget that day's events, he remembered the assignment the man had given him. He picked up the telephone and called his youngest brother. The conversation was awkward at first, but then he openly 
and genuinely, without hesitation, related the experience to his younger brother. George told his brother the message. Dad wants you to know he loves you. Silence was the only response from the other end of the phone line. And then George could hear faint sounds of emotion. George's youngest brother had been slow. He had been the butt of many jokes that highlighted his defects, both intellectually and physically. Their father had been emotionally distant, so the boy had grown up unsure of how his father felt about him. Was he ashamed, disappointed, or something else? The message had been the answer to the long-held anxiety that his father had never cared about him. George realized the chance encounter was not an accident and that his father had also sent a message to him. George's view of life changed that day, like Ebenezer Scrooge had become a new man when visited by the three ghosts of Christmas. George also went under a transformation by becoming religious and being a happier person in general. George was not the only one to notice. All of his other family members that I personally spoke to also confirmed a positive change in George. So I hope that this has been interesting and has given you something to think about. I'm Scott Bryan, and I'd really like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Ghostology Podcast. We'll be bringing you more episodes and hope you turn in for those. If you liked what you heard on our podcast today, we'd encourage you to go find more about Ghostology. You can go to our website at ghostology.com or check out my Ghostology books that can be purchased online at amazon.com. Just go and type in Ghostology, Scott Bryan, and they'll come right up. I hope you have a great rest of your day.